Hello future listener and welcome to the past. How is the future going? Did I make it? Well, if you're listening to this podcast, I have to believe I made it. And do you wonder how I did it? Well, this podcast documents my journey, the ups and downs and all the hard lessons learned. So, without further ado, let me present you the star of the podcast. Drum roll, please. Oh, wait, me? <laughs> my name is Dan Chodimkov and this is the story of how I became a millionaire. Or at least I hope so. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the origin story. This is the long podcast I was telling you about where I'll actually try to talk about me, where am I, and most importantly, how I actually got here. So, where should we begin? Should I start from the universe started spinning and stuff? Of course not. Come on. Should I start with elementary school when I started selling something? No, I'll keep that for a different story. Here I wanted to start from university. I did my background in economics and man, those were the days. A lot of alcohol and by a lot, I mean really, really a lot. You have three weeks of intoxication, one week study week where I just need to pass the exam and back to the three weeks in intoxication. I don't know if I should tell this on, on record, but it's the reality. We played a lot, we played hard, and we studied hard. So I had one week, I could finish every all the exams and then get back to the nightlife. And at that time, I remember vividly that I started becoming a manager in restaurants, in pubs, in disco. I, my whole job was actually just to bring people. You go to a bar, you make a deal, you bring 20, 30 people, you get paid for it. So it was really easy money. But on the other hand, it started taking me to very long hours, like at clubbing at 5 a.m. and then you need to go to studies at, at 7 a.m. Man, that was hard life. At that period, actually, I've started my first company. I was, believe it or not, 21. So at 21, the, the marketing agency was called Advert SMS. It was really advertising through SMS. And the whole goal was to actually create a platform, which now looking at it back, this is like 2008, oof, really long time ago. Actually, it's 14 years ago. Wow, it's a teenager company. So... 13 years ago, there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram, there was none of the social media that exists now or maybe in the future. And the whole point was to actually create a database of people that want to read advert advertising and then to connect them with companies that want to have highly targeted ads. And it was quite good concept. I mean, we asked people like, do you want Are you interested in sports? I mean, do you want to travel? How demographics characteristics, male, female, how old are you? Where do you learn, etc. So when I go to companies, I could actually give them the opportunity to segment. Do you want to target all males or females from 25 to 30 years and write a specific SMS? Well, that was the uniqueness. And yeah, it was quite unique. I mean, in 2008, eight or nine, oof, I don't remember. We got the title Global Innovator for 2008 or nine. I still don't remember. And it was an initiative by the World Bank and they were choosing 11 companies from around the world. And Advert SMS was one of it. And excited, I was invited to talk on global forums on entrepreneurships in Brazil, in India, in Finland. It really get the scope, the perspective broadened for me, which I really love that part. And Since then, I actually started building the company, growing the company, learning everything from scratch, how to create an invoice. I had no idea how to do a sales 
zero experience. I was still 21. But okay, unfortunately, the, the company didn't pan out. I mean, I had to close it. But I was headhunted from a Dutch development organization where they actually wanted me to work as a business advisor. Yeah, the industry was agriculture. I was working with farmers, but purely business aspect. I was working to them with them in grouping them into cooperatives, organizing them so they can buy in a, an economy of scales. I was actually creating business plans for early vegetables, for apple productions, for honey production, etc. And it was really interesting experience because it was really about writing projects and proposals and programs and executing on them. It gave me some very mm-hmm. good insight on, on who I am today. From there, I was actually pitched by a UK company, Retail, which was a software and hardware development company. It was really weird. They were actually in the call recording industry, so they were legally recording the calls. And they were able to record ISDN2, ISDN30, VoIP calls, and all the technology there. They were actually able to plug it to a PBX, their hardware, and actually record all the inbound and outbound calls. And it was a complicated solution. I mean, the hardware, the, the USB connected to a computer. So there were drivers that needs to be developed and everything. And it was not a software development company, but it was a development for its own purpose, more like an R&D. And I really got the opportunity to start with the tech. I was had zero experience in software development. So I started there as a project manager and actually helped them start the, the offices in Macedonia. And from there, actually, they liked what I did. I got the role of product owner, which I really had no idea what it is because I did not understand the agile, the waterfall, actually nothing. But I was so fascinated by the agile project management that, I mean, man, that changes perspective. I even decided to put my master thesis on agile software development methodologies. Uh, I was so fascinated that I got so into it in order to learn how to do it. What are the agile's way? How to have uh, flexibility in the decision making, which helped me even now a lot. But those three years spent in the software development company actually helped me understand tech companies from web development, from mobile, from platform creation, from artificial intelligence. It's much easier for me now to to talk with tech companies, especially when it comes to the non-tech part, actually, especially the part when it comes to selling of these kind of companies. Fast forward, there was a period I was happy with the job, but on the other hand, it is what it was a corporate job. I did had to work with software development companies. I did had to work with developers and man, these people are really hard to communicate. On the other hand, in parallel, I started working on freelance. I mean, you know, Upwork, well, previously it was called differently and hopefully in the future is still Upwork. Don't get me wrong. But there I had the opportunity to work with entrepreneurs and it was so excited. I mean, looking at people that are passionate in what they do and how they do it and daily hustles and everything. And here I was full-time corporate work, working after work on, on my passion and working with entrepreneurs. And this came fast to a point where I had to choose. I started earning more money from my freelance gigs rather than doing from the full-time job. And that was the breaking point because I said, you know what? I'm starting a business. I'm quitting my job. I'm doing an independent stuff. Well, I was a bit scared to start the company immediately. So I said, well, you know, what if I actually try first as a digital nomad or as a freelancer and see how it goes? 
the best decision ever. As a freelance, me and my wife, newly wedded wife at that time, we took the digital nomad life. We actually traveled around Europe, like go to Germany, go to Netherlands, go to France. I'm in Monte Carlo. Wow, amazing place. And you woke up in the morning, you work a bit, then you go and do some sightseeing, you go to a bar, you do some work, additional working. At the night, you do some parties. It was really a nice life. Yeah, we earned a bit, we spent a lot, so no savings at all. The main problem there that I actually got was that when I got sick, there was no revenues. I mean, I got sick, nothing serious, something, but keeps us a few weeks away from working. And then I've realized that, man, if one of us is sick, there is no revenue. If we want to grow a family or have kids, there will be no one to work for. And at that point, I've realized that actually we need to start a company and start growing something that it's not tied directly to our hours spent in the business, but actually growing a business entity. Something that even if I take a step back, the company will keep generating revenue and then it will keep growing on its own. So with that in mind and zero cash, we went back to Macedonia and said, let's do it. I bought a second-hand furniture, some new computers on a 12 installments. I found a very, very old building apartment and we settled in. And when it came to people, I didn't have the money. So I actually took four interns. And I think I was pretty clear from the beginning. I want the interns to become fully independent employees that they can work without me. And that was actually the rule for the interns. The moment you become independent, you're hired. And with that mindset, we still work in BSB. People need to be independent and the whole company should be decentralized. This really helped me in growing the business because within the first several months, things were pretty smooth. I mean, I go on freelance platforms, I find some gigs, I send it to the guys here, they do the execution, and then I just keep on looking for additional gigs and they keep on doing the work. At, at one point, there was a project that got my hair up. They were looking for 10 people full-time for two months. I mean, a great opportunity. But we were only seven. And they were actually at the full-time at the moment. So it was a judgment call. Should I or should I not take another office, buy new furniture, new computers, and all do that in just for two months for 10 people? Uh, I did. I mean... I was so excited. In one week, we actually found the computers. We bought the computers. We find the people. We've, we bought the furniture. We, we found an office to settle. And we started the project. And I was like, man, that was an intensive period. And I was actually happy. But then it hit me. Like, wow, now I actually have two weeks in order to, two months in order to figure out how I'm going to find work for these 10 people if I want to keep them. And I really did. I really wanted to, to keep growing Bisbee. So roll up my sleeves even harder on freelancing, even more gigs, even more gigs, even more gigs. And I did it. I mean, in two months, actually, I had enough job to keep all 10 people. The twist? Well, the same company says, okay, but now we need six people for additional six months. And I already had job for everybody. So back to step one, a third office, new computers, new offices, new furniture, everything new just to capture that project as well. And then I know that I had six months. And then I know that there's no way I could actually keep on growing like this, just looking at the freelance platforms. 
And on the other aspect, the freelance platforms had other problems. I mean, you see a nice job, you apply to it, and only to realize that 60, 70 people apply for the same job. It was a bloodshed. People from all around the world are actually competing on the same gig. And at that point, I said, you know what? We actually need to start looking for alternatives. And then I feel the pain. I mean, we didn't have any marketing, any investment in sales because it was a pretty simple business model. I apply for jobs, I got the job, I give it to the execution. At that point, I've realized that, okay, we need people in sales, we need people in marketing, and we need to slow down the growth of employees, but actually start strengthening the capacity of the company. And it's, it's what we did. We started growing, we started growing, we added project management software, we added a project manager to manage the team, we added a sales manager to manage the salespeople, we added a marketing manager in order to, to manage the marketing team. So it was a pretty standardized company that it was really decentralized because although I was the CEO, I could actually take a step back. Now, fast forward to 2019, in five years working, we actually bought offices, so I actually got them all together. And then 2020, the black year. I still don't know how you call it in the future, but it was Corona time. Corona, everybody working from home, people are scared, uncertainty. People that had ongoing projects with BSB, they actually had to pause them. Companies that were planning to start some project with BSB, they also stopped working or put the project on hold. And BSB was quite spread company. I mean, but by that time, we had plenty of services. To name a few, we were offering market, market research, helping companies find their ideal targets, the markets, the competition, the industry. Then we were doing business plans, helping entrepreneurs and companies actually see the financial and the operational plans. We were doing product sourcing, helping brand owners actually find the manufacturer in China or anywhere around the world. We were also doing lead generation and within the five years, we actually grow quite a lot in the lead generation. We were offering email marketing, LinkedIn marketing, database building, qualification and, and everything. So we were spread a lot but we didn't have clients. And at that point, we saw that the lead generation is actually the major drive for, for our business. And it was a point where we decided that we want to specialize. So we said, we're no longer a management consulting company. We are a lead generation office, a lead generation agency. More specifically, B2B lead generation office, lead generation agency. Even more specifically, B2B lead generation agency that actually targets consultants, marketing agencies, and software companies. Now, that helped us a lot because by being a specialist, we were able to, to fine-tune our target audience, we were able to fine-tune our marketing activities, and we started positioning ourselves as an expert in the field. Now, 2021, actually these six months, We've decided that so far we had a lot of written content in terms of blogs, newsletters and everything. And that 2021 should be the year of audio and video. So January 2021, I started my first video interview serial in order to start co connecting with software automation tools. I started participating as a guest on plenty of podcasts. I mean, 2030 in just six months in order to start spreading the world. 1st of July 2021, I'm actually starting this podcast so I could actually start adding even more toward the audio and video content. The whole point was to actually position BSB as a total authority and leader on the market when it comes to B2B lead generation. And 
I've realized it takes years. It's not something that you can just plug and play, but it requires a lot of sweat from the marketing department, a lot of effort from me, but that's life. That's the entrepreneurship. Okay. I think that I managed to cover my origin story on how I got here and where I am. There are at least hundreds of stories that I intentionally decided to take them out because if I tell you everything now, what I'm supposed to do over the, the podcast series. So I just wanted to give you a very rough idea on, on how I started and how I got to, to where we are. Currently, Bisbee has a bit roughly 400 clients. We're 25, 26 employees full-time in-house, and we are really experts in the B2B lead generation, especially when it comes to high-ticket service providers. That's it for now. I'm sure there are plenty of additional stories that I need to tell you, but let's keep something for for a different day. Thank you very much for, for listening. So, did you enjoy the podcast? Feel free to subscribe so you'll be notified whenever I post a new episode. Do you know a friend that could benefit from this podcast? Well, share it with them and with the rest of the world. I would really appreciate that. Have a great day and talk to you soon.